1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance,
0: and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance
1: Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV. Make Clips and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.tv or check them on Twitter at Clip it TV. Hey, everybody. John Barcher checking in again, and I just got to say what a week one it was for your Philadelphia Eagles. Kurt Coupon showed up just like I thought he would, throwing worm balls, being inaccurate. And the Eagles get out with a win, and I know some of you might be looking at your fantasy lineups from this weekend and be getting a little disappointed. There's a lot of guys that got dinged up already. Maybe your fantasy season is all over. But not to worry, DraftKings is here for your one-week fantasy football. And this Sunday, they're doing it again. DraftKings is hosting a $100,000 Pick'em contest that is totally. free. Pick'em is the newest way to play one-week fantasy football. Drafting your teams is faster than ever. DraftKings has organized players into eight tiers, and all you have to do is select one player from each tier. You can choose from public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against a group of friends. And DraftKings also has beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part is you get to draft a new team each week without any commitment so get to DraftKings.com right now and use the promo code BGNR to play in DraftKings' free contest with $100,000 in total prizes this Sunday. That's promo code BGNR to compete for your share of $100,000 in total prizes. The contest is totally free to enter, so why wouldn't you try? DraftKings, the game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Listen, 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 listen.
1: Welcome back to the counterpoint podcast brought to you by bgn radio and bgnradio.com i am your host jack fritz as always and no i am not dead but i'm very close to being dead because if i see one more nelson agalor end around i'm gonna lose my shit because guess what folks i've never seen it work never ever seen it work it just doesn't work it's always bad. And tell me that when you see the end around beginning to Nelson Aguilar, you see him moving in motion. Tell me a little piece of you doesn't just die inside. A little piece of you inside is just like, well, this isn't going to work. I'm dead. This play means nothing. What's the meaning of life? Because that's where I'm at with with the end arounds. Why? Why do we keep doing this stuff? Why? They don't work. They've never worked. Maybe he's setting stuff up for later in the game. But why? It's so bad. It is so bad. And every time he does it. I have a venomous hate inside of me that just comes spewing out. And I start angrily tweeting Doug, 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 Doug. Because Doug is very bad when he does this. Bad, Doug. Put you in a timeout, Doug. You're usually great at calling plays. Well, great's a bit of a stretch, but you're usually pretty good at calling plays. But holy shit, buddy. No more end around Zagalore. Just stop doing it. Please, for the love of God, Doug. I beg of you to stop doing the freaking end of of Nelson Aguilar. It is the worst. Thank you. That's my ode to you, Doug. Please, God. On today's episode of Counterpoint, we're going to break down how we like to watch Eagles games because I was in a new setting over the weekend and it was foreign to me. I don't know if I liked it or not. Also, the premature Gatorade bath is the reason why the season is already over before it's even really started. Uh, ben McAdoo, we got to talk about him for a second because he is a gross person. We have our hashtag 100 take of the week, which is from a, a caller into the station here at WIP. And boy, it is a take of the century. And finally, we have what's the Lion saying for the Eagles Chiefs this weekend? Because last week, I don't want to say I told you so, but I but I nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Called it like I saw it. The line tells you everything. You got to take emotion out of it. That's what I'm great at. Really, really good at taking emotion out of things when it comes to the Eagles and just, and just being objective. That's all you got to be on the Counterpoint podcast. And I am the king of objectivity. So thank you for that. And look forward to what I'm saying this week on what the line is saying. But first, I was in a new environment this weekend. I was watching an Eagles game here at the station. And I was watching it with with people I haven't watched games with before. And I don't know how you people And when I say you people, I'm not meaning it derogatorily, but I don't know how you guys watch games because I hear differing opinions. I like to watch games out by myself. I would rather watch games by myself or like with my other one diehard friend that I know won't talk during the game, will keep his mouth shut, and will cheer loudly when things go right, and when things go wrong, we're dropping F-bombs. But everything in between, silence, intensely focused on the game. Hell, you can talk during commercial breaks. You can let out little sighs as the game's going on, but I personally would rather watch a game alone than at a bar or at a... like. Some people have Eagles parties, which, like, are my nightmare because you know, the people at those games at those parties are like not all real fans. I don't, I can't watch Eagles games with not real fans that I've like put through a screening process because I don't know. I'm sure everyone's got this point where you've been with a fake fan. You're like, dude, fuck you. But it got to this point with me in, in college. Cause I was, I, cause we were, it was Eagles dolphins in chips last year. And, um, the game was blacked out because it was on CBS and at Bloomsburg where I went the Steelers took precedence over the Eagles which is bullshit and I wasn't able to watch the game so for the first time ever I had to watch a game at a bar with like the whole school there for the Eagles and it was my personal nightmare it was my nightmare it was the worst watching Eagles games with not real fans and them just saying stupid shit just to stay stupid shit is is it's something that I will never be able to get over and I become an incredibly rude person. But here at the station, I was watching it with with another producer buddy when we were producing the game. He's not really a big time Eagles fan because he's had to deal with a bunch of stuff over the years, so he just doesn't really care anymore. And I was able to watch with with the BGN crew. But the problem is, is that John Barcher and the BGN crew were getting mad at me because I could hear what was happening on the game before it happened on TV, and I was getting excited. So I'm in a bit of a dilemma here. Do I get excited, stay excited, and bring my excitement to them? Am I in the right to bring that excitement to them before they see it? Or am I in the wrong because I get excited first, and then they see me get excited and brings down their own excitement level? Because, uh, being honest, I saw a lot of hate in John Barchard's eyes. John Barchard, I think he wanted to fire me, even though I'm not getting paid anything. He wanted to fire me on the spot. And I want to know if I'm in the wrong. So, But in my defense, if I am wrong, it was my first time watching an Eagles game in a new environment with new people that I wasn't accustomed to. Because I'm a very, I guess, I don't know, the outwardly excitement in Eagles games of like pacing around and all that stuff. So I, I don't know if I can just contain that. Uh, you can tweet me at Jack underscore Fred's 34 or John Barchard uh, who once again a lot of venom in his eyes. I saw the anger in his eyes as I was prancing around being excited for my team while he was like 15 seconds behind. You can tweet him at John Barchard and see who, who's right or wrong. Actually I might put up a, put up a, to- a poll about that because I don't know. I might have been in the wrong, but there's also not much I can really do about it. I hey, I would personally rather watch games alone. That's how I would do it. But moving on, this season's already over, and the season's already over because for some reason Nigel was it, it Gruge Hill decided that he's gonna pour Gatorade on Doug after beating the Redskins. The Eagles beat Waste Team, and we're we're doing a Gatorade bath. What kind of work? I thought we were the gold standard. Right, Jeff? A gold standard team does not pour Gatorade on its head coach for for snapping a five-game losing streak against a shit team from Washington with a shit stadium. I thought that was, I don't know why people weren't more upset about this. It's a Gatorade bath. Why are we giving a Gatorade bath? Let me, I have the definition of a Gatorade bath in front of me. And I'm going to read it to you now. The Gatorade Shower, also known as the Gatorade Dunk or the Gatorade Bath, is an American sports tradition that involves players serpetitously dumping a cooler full of liquid, most commonly Gatorade mixed with ice, over the head coach following a meaningful win such as a Super Bowl, World Series, or other major sporting event. None of that includes the first regular season game against the Washington Redskins. It doesn't include any of that and for some reason people are just fine with this they could they were jeopardizing the whole season by dumping that Gatorade bath on Doug already that is something that teams that's a that's something that losing organizations do that is a loser 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 mentality that is a loser mentality dumping gatorade after beating the redskins in week 1 of the season that's a loser organization mentality i thought we were the gold standard i thought we were the gold standard but apparently I was wrong because we're dumping Gatorade on, on Doug Peterson after a week one victory. What team do I follow? That was bad. That was very bad. And I didn't like it one bit. And I think it really jeopardizes this rest of the season. You don't premature Gatorade bath. You don't premature Gatorade bath in week one against the Washington Redskins. You just don't do it. It's embarrassing. It's an embarrassment to this organization. I hope, I hope Jeff Lurie Honestly, if they if they if they cut crucial Hill on the spot, I wouldn't have been mad. He's not that important, but he did almost just jeopardize the whole season by dumping Gatorade on Doug Peterson. (laughs) The NFC East. Uh, Tell you what, man. We got some ugly ass coaches in this division. Jay Gruden always looks like he just took a nasty shit or he just farted and you know they're always wet. Jason Garrett looks like a pervert. If I have to say it bluntly. He looks like a perv. He's got really creepy. He's got a really creepy smile. Really creepy smile. Looks like Chucky. And then there's Ben McAdoo. Honestly, like Doug Peterson might be the best looking guy out of that whole bunch. Like Jason Garrett, sure, he might be in good shape, but like he's like too short. Doug Peterson, you know, he played football in the NFL. Big, strong, firm gut. Jason Garrett's like that skinny guy that, like, you know, he was just never good at football. I don't care about that one Thanksgiving where he was okay. Jason Garrett was, was very bad. And Jay Gruden, that guy has the gut of a, of a D2 college football player. That's what he has. And then there's Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo, buddy, just admit you're ugly. Just get it over with. You're an ugly guy. You don't have to. Sl- if you didn't see yet, Ben McAdoo has slicked back his hair. It is gross. It is grotesque, I might say. Just admit, just admit you're ugly. Don't try to do things that you think would make you look cool. Just show up to practice wearing jorts and white New Balances like you're always meant to do. And just admit you're ugly. You're an ugly person, Ben McAdoo. I'm sorry, you just are. Don't start slicking back your hair and looking like a creep. We already have one creep in this division, and that's Jason Garrett. For your sanity and my sanity, just admit you're ugly. You're an ugly guy, a very ugly guy. We have to get to the hashtag 100 tick of the week because it comes from a caller in a WIP that it's impressive. Listen to this.
0: See, but you know what? The one price by and see, this is something I, I don't know that I will see, but I'm going to give it a shot. Anyway, I don't know if you use it. But, uh, Barnett is mm. going to average at least three sacks a game.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh man, I am so glad I was producing at that time because as soon as I heard it, my jaw dropped. Yes. The take of the week is from that caller who thought Derek Barnett is going to average three sacks a game. And I just want to remind you that the all-time sacks record is 22. And if Derek Barnett averaged three sacks a game, that would put him at 48. So he's going to more than double the all-time sacks record in his rookie year. And become the first player to not only average, I think I'm pretty sure that this is again we've talked about this before. We're in the trust tree. I'm not sure this is 100 percent factual, but I'm pretty sure that Reggie White's the only player in NFL history to average over a sack per game. But guess what? Tarek Barnett is going to double that. So it's all it's all good, guys. That that has that was 100 the sick of the week. So happy I heard that. had to pull it because I knew you guys would enjoy it all right moving on we have what's the line saying my new favorite segment uh like 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 I said last week what's the line saying was spot on the Eagles being one and a half point favorites in Washington didn't make much sense to me the public was all over it and honestly I thought there might have been a little bit of Vegas in that last in that last play there that that was not a fumble (laughs) I don't think that was a fumble at all but I will take it as always um Basically, I just think, like, a lot of the NFL is is rigged because it's an entertainment product. And, of course, they're going to want the most favorable outcomes. And if there's, like, 80% of the public on one game, eh, I think they're going to rig it a, a certain way. So I had a weird feeling about, about that game last week. This week, when the line came out, I was indifferent. I thought it was a very fair line. Uh, I actually... I was surprised it, it wasn't higher. Like, if, if it opened at minus six... I I felt pretty bad because I think if it's at six, it's gonna be so high that people are gonna be like, "Well, the Eagles just went to Washington and won." Look pretty good doing it. They're gonna see the final score. See, it was a bit of a you know, it was a bit of a stretch. Like the the score didn't dictate how close that game was to me. Um, and when it came out at four and a half, I was like, "All right, they should be able to get pretty good traction on both sides." But I'm gonna monitor it as the week goes on to to really before I did this podcast to really get on what's the line saying. And with, with, with the, with the line today, it jumped up to chiefs minus five and a half and it jumped from four and a half to five. And if it, if it stayed at four and a half with the amount of, of, of public money riding on the chiefs, I would have felt really good about this game because I would have thought that, you know, Vegas would be on our side and, if the line didn't move at all, it's just generally a good sign for your team. But it's jumped a point and a half, meaning that they're trying to even out on both sides. So they're not trying to trap you into taking the Eagles, or no, no, they're not trying to trap you into taking the Chiefs, which isn't good because I love traps and I want the Eagles to be on the other side of the trap. So, so with the line being minus five and a half and it jumping a point and a half and not staying at four and a half, I, I really, I don't have a great feeling about this game, and uh, I, I think that. Andy Reid is going to 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 beat us this weekend, and maybe by like ten points. That would be my guess. And by the way, Andy Reid has gotten skinny. Now, it's one of those things where it's like a fat guy is always gonna be fat. Like Joe Blanton's gotten skinny, but Joe Blanton will always be fat. And Andy Reid, I feel like he kind of goes through these situations where he's like, you know, what, I'm gonna lose some weight, try to you know figure it out, and maybe finally get that Super Bowl championship body on on but it's it's like a, it's like a fraudulent skinny. When I see him, I'm like, you know what? Not buying it. Andy, I'm not, I'm not buying into your game here. So, um, Andy's trying this whole skinny thing. And maybe it's because he heard episode one of the counterpoint podcast and, and heard me saying that he has a conference championship gut, because that's what it looks like to me. Uh, He doesn't have a super bowl caliber gut like, (laughs) like Doug Peterson. Um, but man, it would be so sweet to go into KC and, uh, and beat him with with Doug. Because it would really just kind of validate everything about Doug. If he goes in and beats Andy, it's like, alright, this is the guy. And as we talked about last week, we're all firmly behind Doug at this point. Because of Mike Lombardi and his shit takes from last week. Um, I will say this, I am especially excited for this kind of game. Uh, I have a really weird thing where I... It, ever since I've read the Book of Basketball by Bill Simmons, he has just instilled in me that if if you know a guy is a legit star, if he goes on the road and, and shuts up an opposing crowd, that's when you know a guy is absolutely legit. And like last year when the Eagles went into Seattle, I was so wound up because I would know if Carson was legit or not. If he went into Seattle and beat the Seahawks and played well doing it. And last year in Seattle, he didn't play well. I don't think he played well at all. If I recall, um, so yeah, I I I am excited for the Seattle. I always get excited for the Seattle games. I think if you can go into Seattle and you could win, automatically to me that validates a lot about you personally. And it's the same thing with KC. When I saw the schedule come out, I was like, man, if he goes into KC and he balls out in front of that crowd and shuts up fifty thousand Midwesterners, I would be. He he is just the guy. He is a hundred percent the guy. So I am. And very, very much looking forward to this because if he comes out on the road, handles KC, you can pretty much win anywhere. You can win in Seattle. You can win in any of the NFC stadiums. Winning in KC is that important and that cool for a young quarterback to do that validates almost his whole existence on this earth. So that's how, that's how important this game is. I just set the scene for you in like a minute and a half. But I don't feel great about it because... Like I said, I uh, the way the line's reading, I don't have much confidence. That line is, is, is a scary line. It's five and a half. It's jumped a point and a half in the last day. That means that all the public money is pretty much riding on the Chiefs. And if the line stayed at four or four and a half, with all the public money riding on the Chiefs, I'd feel a lot more confident. But to be honest, I'm just not there. So unfortunately, this is a somber end to the Counterpoint podcast brought to you by BGN Radio. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong but like I said I, I take all the bias out of it become completely objective and the way I see this playing out given the line is not great but I'll talk to you next week this is what your second record and it's the song you wrote